Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. All right, welcome to yet another quarantined episode. I, I'm getting fatigued. I'm getting done. I, I'm over this, Bob. Over the global pandemic. I'm over coronavirus. I'm over staying in my house. The whole thing. I can't do it anymore. Well, one of the things I saw, you you actually, they opened up the beaches in Jacksonville and you got your new forerunner and you went outside. Yeah, I found there's a beach where you can drive on the beach if you have uh, a car and then there's a part of that beach you can drive on if you have four-wheel drive. There's a whole nother part of the beach that you can drive on if you have four drive and you actually know what you're doing yeah. uh, and so i uh i attempted that deep sand part of it yesterday and made it through just fine forerunner is solid and strong and it was a glorious moment as i passed a pretty new silverado and f-250 <laughs> both just sinking in the sand as their tires spun it was a it was a vindicating moment as i have my wife and three little kids in the back seat and, yeah and the whole thing yeah and you, you didn't stop to render aid at all, right? No, not at all. No, yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. I don't know if those people have coronavirus, man. I'm not getting anywhere near them. <laughs> That's good. Shelter in place in your forerunner and scorn people while they're stuck in the sand. That's awesome. <laughs> they're pointing and laughing, too. Hey, we've got a great episode today with... Keelan Cook and Josh Ellis from Houston, UBA. But also, Bob, I got to record the other day. You weren't able to be with us. We've got a special bonus episode that's going to come out, I believe, the day after this one with Jaime Lopez and David Quiroa, all in Spanish, other than me doing an introduction in English, just to let you know that you didn't tune into the wrong podcast. <laughs> <laughs> But after I give an introduction, Jaime Lopez and David Quiroa do a great job of giving some really good advice on what to do during the coronavirus pandemic. I'm excited to get to release that the day after this. That's awesome. We are so grateful for our friends, Josh and Keelan at, uh, in Houston. Man, you guys are killing it, writing great stuff, great content for churches. One of the things we just wanted to talk about today as we're gathered here on the boot camp is a lot of people are talking about reopening the church and some for some of us the end appears to be in sight maybe in a couple of weeks and we're going to be getting people back together and so we really want to get together with you guys and talk through not only what does it look like to reopen the church but what does it look like to lead the church in those initial days uh, as we're reopening so what are you guys hearing and and how are your pastors thinking and how are you guys thinking together about some of the specifics about reopening once we're, we get the green light. I think everybody's all over the board, and especially for Houston, because we're, we're one of the main hotspots around the country. And I think we're a little bit further behind the curve. We're, we're not going to open up as soon as other parts around the country. For us, it's a question of timing, and it's a question of how we're going to phase back in. And so there are a lot of logistical questions, but I think at the strategic level, pastors are asking the question, what goes into actually phasing back in, and should we try to go back to normal? And the advice that Keelan and I have been giving out, and some good solid advice that I've seen in 
blogs and articles all over the place is no, don't, don't go back to normal. <laughs> you know, don't try and, and go back to a pre-COVID state. That is out of the barn and, and trying to recapture that is, is a lot of wasted effort. There have been so many good things celebrated during this season and so many good advances that we've seen in churches. Yes, everybody misses gathering together. And yes, there are a lot of things that we are not celebrating in full, but we've seen so many success stories. I've seen really, really small churches. And I'm, I'm not talking about the normal size church. I'm talking about really small churches that started streaming services, you know, the week after everybody was told to shelter in place. They've seen their streaming attendance grow. They've seen their giving normalized. They've seen groups start meeting online and they've seen some really good success stories. And so trying to rush back in and recreate a situation that existed before this, I think is ignoring all the successes that they've had since this started. And so what we're saying to churches is, man, continue with the successes that you've seen. Let's not pretend that all those didn't happen. So I think this is a key moment, especially for replanters, to usher in some of those changes that you've been waiting to do all this time saying, man, what, what would it take to get some of these things started? Well, maybe maybe something like this. I, I don't know. Keelan, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, essential agreement here, of course. So one of the things that I think is particularly interesting about a moment like this we talk in replanting a lot with churches about living in the rearview mirror, right? So there's this idea for a lot of churches that there was this time in our history when things were great and now we're stuck in this moment that stinks for whatever the reason, right? And if we could only get back to those glory days, right? I have a feeling we're getting ready to see a whole lot of churches that want to knee jerk with, with that attitude right now. Uh, and so this is especially true in a church that needs to be replanted or one that's in the middle of a replant. I think if you're not careful, you're going to frame and romanticize the way things were. Know that this is a moment of disruption. And so when the moment of disruption's over, your knee-jerk reaction is going to be to just try to recreate whatever was before, especially if you felt like it was working okay. And I think that's totally a missed opportunity right now. For one, that's a fiction. We're not going back. That's not the way culture works. That's not the way society works. That's not the way your church learns and grows and works. They're dynamic things. They move forward. They don't move backward. And so even though we'll be able to be back in our buildings, we'll be able to do some of the practices we were doing and should, don't mishear me, an embodied church is necessary. To assume, though, that things just go back to a standard operating procedure, that's a big mistake for us right now. We need to take this moment, seize the moment, in fact, to make some of those th changes that are necessary in order to adapt and adjust to doing good mission today. And this moment of disruption is really a godsend for us in order to be able to do some of that perhaps quicker than we would have been able to otherwise. What are some of the elements that you think are, are going to change or necessary change since we, we've encountered this moment that we're, if we were going to put a, a list together to say, let's consider not going back and doing this or these things? What, what are some of those things that you guys would put on that list for consideration? I think there's a lot of those kind of things. And, and Ken Brady uh, put out an uh, article last week. It's going around all over the place. He started with 20 questions. And then I guess some of his listeners or readers got to him and now it's 24. Um, and it's, it's exhaustive. I think it's great. But he talks about everything from restructuring your business meetings to forget passing the plate for a while. Some of those things 
um, you know, moving from an offering plate to a collection box. Some of those things are, are COVID concerns and some of those things are, you know, maybe the offering plate was one of the sacred cows in your church and you just needed to get past that. From a leader's standpoint, you know, and, and I'll get back to the logistical or I'll let Keelan cover that. But from a leadership standpoint, for me, this is this is basic leadership 101 because followers have needs. And as a follower, you entrust those needs to a leader. You know, that's basic principle. You entrust a leader to get you to point B. That's the entire reason that you, you trust them in the first place. But from a leader standpoint, you look at those needs and you, your job is to survey the entire system and understand that in the ideal circumstance, all of your followers have the same needs. That's easy leadership, but it never works out that way. And so if your followers have different needs or your followers needs are different than your needs, that's when leadership is real. And that's when leadership becomes complex. And so in these particular times, Pastors have to ask themselves, okay, are we rushing back into live services because of my needs or because of the needs of my followers, because of the needs of my people? Are we putting people at risk? Are we doing, you know, five services in a weekend when we could accomplish the same thing with one online service? Or are we waiting a couple of weeks extra for the safety of our people? You know, how are we balancing all those needs? Is it my needs? Is it their needs? What are we doing? And some of those are logistical questions. In Texas, there's a lot of rhetoric about wanting to be the first state open. Why? You know, what's the what's the rush there? What's the need there that's being? Well, it's a Texas thing, so I mean, you know, you guys. There's an and there's a need, right? Being scratched yes. there. There's absolutely, you know, certain people's needs being met there. And there's also a risk management question. You know, what are we worth? What what's being risked? versus what's being gained. You have to ask all of those questions when you start looking at the logistical hurdles of meeting again. If your nursery is being led by a bunch of senior adults, they're probably not coming back to your services anytime soon. And so now you're looking at a whole new crop of nursery volunteers. Are the young families going to come back and put their kids in the nurseries? I don't know, maybe, maybe not. And it probably depends on where in the country you're meeting. And so are you also now looking at nursery volunteers and young families probably not coming back? And so are you going to hold in-person services for kind of that middle gap of people? And are you rushing back just to have services for a selected segment of your people where what you're doing right now meets the entirety of your congregation? I don't know. And I can't answer those questions for everybody in every segment of the country. But those are the questions that every pastor has got to ask, regardless of church size and regardless of where they are in the country. I think everything that you do logistically um, comes into play. A lot of people are talking about the size of the room that they meet in. I don't know, oh, we can spread out. True. But how many bathrooms do you have? How often are you going to wipe down those bathrooms? And I'm talking about not just in preparation for Sunday, but as Sunday progresses. How many small hallways do people have to cram into in order to get into the big room where they spread out? All of these are logistical concerns that people have to pay attention to. And all of that goes into how fast you reopen and what is it worth and what is worth risking in order to have in-person services. And what we're talking about is, do you do it now versus a couple of weeks from now or maybe a month from now? And how impatient are people going to be and and what are the needs really being balanced? When it comes to a question like this, I think the thing that needs to be impressed is, and this tends to be my knee-jerk reaction for all kinds of questions, like it depends on your church and its context. 
right? So we're going to want to look for a list online of those things that don't need to go back to normal and the things that, oh, let's keep these things. And those are a helpful point of reference, period. They're just a point of reference. Those are not your prescription as a pastor right now. That You can't take somebody else's blog post of here's these X number of things and come up with your particular settings needs in this moment. And, and Josh did a great job pointing out some of the motivation as a leader behind why am I doing this? Am I doing it so that I get things back to the normal that I want? Am I doing this because it's the best fit for serving our people and the community around us? And obviously, the answer should be the latter, right? We're doing it in order to serve the needs of those around us in the community and our own congregation right now. And so my encouragement would be get on look at some of those blog posts, look through those lists of things people are saying, maybe we can pass over this one. Maybe it doesn't need to come back. Uh, and then I would sit down probably with some people in my own church and uh, some key leaders. And we would walk through, we'd throw everything on a whiteboard that we could or on a sheet of paper and say, we do this. We used to do it this way. Walk through an order of service, walk through your week in church and try to think of every logistic thing that you have done in the past. And I'd audit those. I would put some in a, this never needs to return bucket. I'd put some in a, we may not need to bring this back yet because of social distancing requirements or a need to disinfect more or some reason to streamline something in a temporary way until, until some of these restrictions are, are removed. And then maybe a bucket that says, these are things that we need to start immediately. And so that allows you to kind of triage what is happening uh, with some references from some other lists but it gives you a good opportunity to nix things that can just go and should go forever and create a difference between we won't start these yet and we can start these immediately. Cause I think that difference is also needed. If that makes sense. I think it's a really important thing to consider uh, because everything in me says the first Sunday we can meet back, we're going to have a potluck. We're going to have <laughs> the longest meet and greet time we've ever had. I'm going to have a receiving line at the back door where everyone has to give me a bear hug on the way out. Uh, like everything in me just needs to, and wants that, but it's so good for me to think through. I, I never even thought about the size of hallways or or how many bathrooms we have. I would have never thought about that if I'd have never listened to this podcast right now at this moment. We're talking about post-COVID, but it, it bears worth mentioning, we're not actually post-COVID yet. You know, everybody's talking about a peak. The peak is not the goal, right? The downside of the slope is the goal. And so just because the government is easing some restrictions doesn't mean that COVID has gone away. In fact, the peak represents the highest prevalence of the virus in our community. And so what we're talking about at a political level is easing some restrictions so that the economy can get up and running. And so from, from a leadership standpoint at the political level, they're talking about an entirely different sphere than what we're talking about. And so at a church leadership perspective, we need to understand and I think it was Joe Carter who put this in a blog. He said, all that does is shift the burden to us as church leaders to say, now we have to make some, some responsible decisions right. on behalf of the people that we lead, because now we're talking about a total separation of spheres of influence. From, and, and I'm not saying, you know, don't meet or meet, you know, for your individual church. I'm saying, you know, that, that decision will be contextual. But you need to understand, too, that, people are going to self-select out because there's a lot of information out there as far as the virus and where you are meeting. But I, I can promise that in Houston, if we were going to open every church door in two weeks, at that point, we would be just past 
the peak, according to medical experts, and nobody's hugging anybody. You know, it wouldn't matter what they thought about the pastor. In fact, most people are probably showing up to church wearing masks. And so if you have coffee stations around your church, I'll bet almost no one is going to take advantage of them. So I can already hear the conversations of people saying, well, we can't have church without coffee stations. And my question back to, to them, just as a consultant, would be, why? Why can't you have church without coffee stations? And I've already heard one pastor say, the first Sunday, we're buying more donuts than we have ever had. And my response back to him was, I hope you like donuts because you're going to eat a lot of them. There's nobody that's going to take advantage of that the first week back. Nobody wants to touch a door handle. Nobody's going to be shaking hands. Nobody's going to be sharing food. This is just the world that we live in right now. Now, mid-July, that's a totally different world. But for right now, this is kind of the, the hand that we've been dealt. And so my core question back to leaders is, this is the time when you evaluate your core ministry practices versus your preferential ministry practices. What does it take to really get the job done? And this is, this is where I come back to the, my, my beginning question. You know, why throw out all the successes that you've had during this COVID experience just to run back in the building and, and throw out a lot of that stuff? Because right now, I know so many congregations, their attendance is up, their giving is holding or, or meeting their budget. Uh, their groups are online. In fact, I know several churches that their groups are experiencing successes because all of a sudden, you know, their schedules are flexible. They're meeting after the kids go to bed. You know, they're not trying to make that two hour schedule in order to have the same Sunday morning experience and accomplish social distancing. They're talking about doubling the amount of hours for Sunday school. They're talking about doubling the amount of Sunday services that they have in order to provide space for people to spread out. That is a lot of workload. And now you're talking about tripling the amount of volunteers that they have. You're talking about throwing every door open to the building because you don't want people holding the door open for people. You don't want people opening the door for themselves. All of these logistical tangents are there. And so it's just a lot to wrap your head around and all of that to buy you a couple of weeks. And I get it. People are impatient to get back in the building. Everybody wants to hug the pastor's neck. I know way, I know way too many pastors right now, Jimbo, who are just like you, and they are itching for contact. They are itching for that conversation. They're itching to hug everybody's neck. I get it. But again, we're talking about a couple of weeks. All of these concerns are all in the soup. All of these questions have got to be asked before you throw open the doors. How are we being changed as people mm-hmm. and as pastors? And then second, how do we manage the fear, the fear that many have and the cautions that many have and then the pressure to, to connect again? So, yeah, no, this, so those are real good questions. In fact, I think they kind of get back to the crux of what we're doing here, right? Josh said this a second ago, and I think it bears repeating. We need, we need to, in a moment like this, not just triage logistics, we need to do that. But we, we really need to sit down and know a clear difference as pastors and church leaders between the core of the church, its purpose, its mission, the things that we're doing that are accomplishing those goals, and a lot of these tangential means over here that we use, like, like a coffee bar. That's an easy example, right? Though there's this central purpose for the pastor of knowing, feeding, leading, and protecting his sheep. As a pastor, my first concern is my flock. Second to that is, of course, the needs of the community around me and their need for the gospel and our church's ability to engage in the Great Commission and making disciples. So if we come back to that, it becomes a very human question that we're asking right now, right? How do we 
deal with a lot of these competing needs. Uh, and you're going to have people that spin in a couple of different directions. You're going to have your Jimbo that wants to go, you know, full bore as soon as they walk back in the door and hug everybody. What we're fixing to see, I think, in many churches uh, is really a tale of two churches on this one. You're going to have a group inside of your congregation that wants to get back and they want to put their hands on every doorknob that they possibly can because they've been being told for months they can't. But you're going to have another group of people uh, that, quite frankly, they're scared to get back out. They may not come to your first service back together. Uh, and they're going to have an internal tension, a struggle inside of them that says, we love this group. We've been wanting to meet with this group. We're still scared to meet with this group. We've got to navigate how to do that. I think the answer is profoundly interpersonal, though. We need to be able to treat people in our churches as individuals and have some kind of connection, some kind of way of working with them to really know what's going on in their hearts. Now, that's a load a single pastor most often cannot bear on their own. And so we need to be thinking through, how do I make sure everyone in my congregation first actually has that kind of connection with somebody else, some other leader in the church? How have I led leaders to be the kind of people that can help me in this? That's an important question for us right now. Guys, one last question. You, you talk to pastors on a regular basis. A lot of them are, are working more hours during the COVID season than they've ever found themselves working before. A lot of pressures personally, financially, ministerially, et cetera. What, what would be some ways that you would encourage leaders who are leading during COVID, pastors who are leading, how can they maintain their sharpness and their leadership edge and have perspective? So I think real quickly, one is you've got to multiply yourself, full stop. Uh, one of the things that COVID is is, has done for a lot of pastors that I'm talking to, they realize now that they can't get everybody into a room for a sermon that that's not all that pastoral ministry is. And so they've been frantic trying to get into homes, trying to make sure they're having phone calls with people, trying to check in on all their folk, and they realize they're now overwhelmed with it. Had they multiplied themselves, created more pastoral touch points in their church, more shepherding opportunities for others, then that burden could have been shared. And so my primary encouragement right now is you need to find the three, five, 10 people that you can help share that load with you and work hard, not just on putting out fires, but spend your best effort trying to raise them up so that they can help you put out fires. For me, that's kind of piece one. Not only that, but we, I just had a chat with a couple of guys about how, there's a tension point right now about whether or not to use, you know, vacation time that guys have, because, you know, where do you go? You can't leave your house and, you know, um, and so the temptation to not clock out ever, um, or, you know, like me, I have my computer set up in the corner of my bedroom. And so it's just kind of always there. Um, and, and guys saying, no, it's okay to use your vacation time. Um, two of the people on my team recently asked permission to use their vacation time because they had scheduled it a long time ago and it came up during COVID and I was like, please use it, you know, use that time. Um, and so the, the guys that I know who have good balance in their life right now um, are the ones that say, yes, we're in the middle of a crisis right now, but, but I, I have to use that time. Um, I, I know that more pastors right now are leaning toward it being okay for other people to be in the pulpit or filming uh, right now and sharing that pulpit time. Um, I understand that in the early phases of this um, that they didn't want to, and, and I completely support that. 
but the longer this goes, um, they can't be the only voice behind the camera because as soon as churches do open up, they're going to want to be in their pulpits. Um, they're going to want to be the voice that welcomes everybody back. And if you perpetuate that out, it's going to be weeks and weeks and weeks before those guys take a, take a Sunday. Um, and so they should be looking toward if they have, um, you know, a bench to, to bring in, to, to share the load, they should be doing that now. Um, especially now as we're looking toward opening back up churches in two, three, four weeks, um, share the load now so that they can be fresh when churches open back up. Yeah. Real quick to piggy off, piggyback off of that. I know we need to land the plane here soon. So now is an excellent. So one, you need to be letting other people in your church preach if for no other reason, because you need to be developing preachers out of your church. And so now's a great opportunity to let them do that. Why? Outtakes. <laughs> like let them take a run at it. And if they crash land, cut the, cut the video off and go at it again and help and coach them in it. And so now is a, a good time to start onboarding some additional leaders uh, to help you with the preaching ministry. Uh, not a, not necessarily a bad time. Excellent. Guys, this has been uh, really helpful uh, for me, if not for anybody else, uh, to think through some good things logistically. And so I just wanted to uh, kind of summarize some, some high points of what I took notes on. Uh, realize this is a disruptive moment. We're, we're not going to come out on the other side of this the same way that we went into it, nor should we try to. Uh, don't try to live in a rear view moment. Don't over romanticize what you once had. This is a really good opportunity maybe to lay down some sacred cows. And as we think through the logistics of coming back, we need to think through what is being risk what versus what is being gained in each of the choices that we make as we triage the logistics and we think through those details, every single thing, but also most importantly, triage between your core uh, elements and your preferential elements and lean in hard on those core things. Don't fight and lose battles over preferential things. Don't go in high risk on things that are preferential. Stick to the things that are core. Take care of yourself. Stay healthy. Multiply yourself. This has been a theme, Bob, of a lot of our podcast episodes lately with Les McEwen, with Micah Freeze, as we've talked about those ideas of balanced teams and leveling the church, how important it is to multiply yourself. Uh, this is a great opportunity to realize, Pastor, that you are not the super pastor. You are not the cornerstone of the church. That is Christ's job and not ours. Uh, but we need to lean in on equipping saints to do the work of ministry so that we truly can come out of this better together. Been a great episode. Thanks for coming on, guys. Stay safe. Stay sanitized out there in Houston. We'll do it. Thanks for having Thanks, us. Thanks, gentlemen. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.